You're listening to Be a Video Leader, the ultimate test and measurement podcast. Welcome. We're glad you're here today for Leaders Seminar. Show me your SDP and I'll show you my VPID. I'm Cindy Zulsdorf and I'm here with uh, Stephen Holmes, Solutions Architect and Applications Engineer, and with Kevin Salvage, Sales Engineer a sales engineering manager. They're going to be your guides today. And I can see from the people uh, in the attendees group there, you've had years, maybe even decades of experience with SDI. And today we're going to get into how your knowledge and mastery is still relevant in the brave new world of IP. And Kevin and Steve are going to reveal the ways that IP is tripping up broadcasters and look at how your expertise in SDI can be applied to IP infrastructures. And they're going to tell you how you could, if you want to, uh, stop thinking of SDP as sneaky, difficult, and problematic, and instead go with simple, detailed, and problem-solving. So over to you, Kevin and Steve. Cindy, thank you very much. So, Steve, it was great to see everybody in Amsterdam at IBC, which now seems like a lifetime ago. Most definitely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So a lot of great customers. Yeah. And one of the things I picked up, and I think you did as well, is that, you know, we've got a vast wealth of knowledge from, in some cases, over 30 years of SDI video. and it's relevant in this brave new world of IP, isn't it? You know, we're, the knowledge we've accrued is going to help us start to fault find these, these new systems. Most definitely. Yep, there's a lot of crossover between the two. Uh, some of it's just done slightly different, but there's still a lot of crossover between what happens in SDI and what's going on in IP. So we've got a title, we've got some acronyms in the title, and we've got people that have come along. So should we start off by quickly, for those who might not be 100% sure what those acronyms are, describing them and um, going forward? So VPID. We've dealt with the VPID, which is the SMPTE ST352 payload ID. This has been around for decades. It is a four-byte payload that sits in the horizontal interval and defines what the SDI payload actually is. Gives us the frame rate, picture size, and other details and whether it's RGB or ICDCR and how things are coming into us via the SDI. So the device knows how to set up and display the picture correctly. Then in the world of SDI, or excuse me, IP, we now have the SDP, which is the Session Description Protocol, which is a file that is sent down for the IP, and it has all of the VPID data in it, but it also has all of the connection data in it for the multicast. Tells us how to connect to the multicast, what the multicast address is going to be, also provides for one-for-one -one, uh, protection with a red-blue network and how to join all of those streams. But it does contain the same data in it also that the VPID would provide for us. So then we go on to where is the video placed? And these are more, or excuse me, where is the data place? These are more SDI type uh, explanations. So we have the, what we commonly call the HANC, the Horizontal Ancillary Data Space, which 
is where we also embed the audio. It's at the end of the video and we can place data in the horizontal interval, but we also have the VANC, which is the vertical interval, that section of data that sits above the picture. And we have the vertical interval ancillary data space. So when we deal with IP and we send the data, we will specify, if you were to make this back into SDI again, this is where you would place this data within either the horizontal interval or within the vertical interval. Because this is probably a good point, because obviously with IP video, we're only actually moving the active picture. There is no blanking. There is no vertical interval. Absolutely correct. And we'll go into that. I believe you'll go into that in a little more detail in just yeah. a little bit, Kevin, for us. So, Kevin? Yeah. So, just to quickly summarize for everybody, for the professional video over IP, um, we have a suite of SIMTI standards. So, 2110 is sort of the... Uh, the high-level name that everybody knows it as, but it's made up of a suite of standards. So we have the 2110-10, which is the system architecture and synchronization. So this is how the timing works. 2110-20, it's the uncompressed transport of only the active picture. And because we're putting this over asynchronous networks, we need to put timing in place and traffic shaping, and that's where 2110-21 comes in. And the latest addition to the family is 2110-22. So this is constant bit rate compressed video transport, because prior to this, everything was uncompressed. We then have two suites, 30 and 31, which handle our audio, and then... 2110-40, which is basically the crux of what we're going to talk about today, because that's the ancillary data. So to save us on the number of words we use, you'll frequently hear people refer to dash 20, dash 30, and dash 40. And by that, they mean they're referring to the dash 20 video, dash 30 audio, and dash 40 ancillary data. As I said, today, we're primarily going to focus on Dash 20, uncompressed video transport, and Dash 40, the transport of ancillary data. Thank you, Kevin. So we also need to touch on NMOS because NMOS is the tool we'll find out that actually delivers the data and lets us know what is this sender doing, what are the capabilities of this receiver, and we use NMOS as our connection tool. One of the things that when they created the 2110 suite, they really didn't define how do you control and manage this. So AMWA came up with the NMOS specification to be able to control and manage our IP networks. Now, primarily today, we are dealing with ISO 4 and ISO 5. So ISO 4 is the registration and discovery. It's when you put a receiver on, it's going to register itself, tell you what its capabilities are, tell you what its address is, and that will go into a registration server. The ISO 5 then is the connection management. So if I wanna to connect to something, that's gonna be done via the ISO 5 part of the standard. And that's where the SDP file will be sent to a receiver to tell the receiver what to connect to from a picture size, and from an IP address standpoint. 
the rest of these, most of these are in stuff that we're working towards, but primarily today, it's ISO 4 and ISO 5 that are in common use. Some of the others are used in specific instances in places. But you can see there's a whole piece here. And uh, this might be a, a piece for another uh, session to delve into this in more detail, but we will touch upon pieces of this today. So the things we're gonna look at today is how does an SDP file come into play in monitoring video and audio and NANCE data in an IP world, and especially in a hybrid SDI IP world, because certain pieces need to match each other. What are the differences between 2110 SDP file delivered via NMOS and a 352 VPID delivered over a 2110-40 flow. So you still can provide the VPID, but the main connection piece is still going to be that SDP file, but both can coexist. And some of the things that a VPID does that a SDP file doesn't always do, that can cause headaches. And you need to know about some of these things. And then we'll do a quick look at the nature of NMOS to kind of see why this takes place and what happens. And then we'll do a, a quick look at an overview of the 352 payload and NMOS, the interaction between these two and what may be or may not be happening with these guys. We better crack up with it then. Yes, Kevin. So as we said, you just have to remember that IP is another I.O. interface. It's a way to get your video, audio, and data to or from a switch. What's changed is how we do that. And this has been quite interesting because um, many, many of you may be aware that twice a year, the JTNM host a series of testing test events where manufacturers um, decamp to a facility. We connect our equipment to each other, and then we run through a comprehensive series of tests. And the whole reason for doing this is that once the products are certified, broadcasters can have the confidence that if they're selecting products that have been tested and certified, you're getting pretty close to plug and play. Obviously, there's going to be some fine tuning, but you can go online, you can look at the results and see what's been tested and verify the interoperability. But Steve, as you highlighted here, at one of those events, we had this question thrown at us. Yeah, we there was some vendors that found out that some of the signals they were dealing with as test signals and generated by cut by different devices, the Dash 40 payload ID in the ANS stream and the SDP file didn't match each other. They were showing different video formats or different video rates. This is one of the contentions that brought this whole presentation to you is because of that, we want to be able to show you how you can look at each one of these and then make an educated determination of what's wrong, who is correct and who is not correct. Uh, the outcome of this piece was it's a pretty big mess out there right now with different people showing different things and not agreeing with each other, which can cause issues down the line. So I've heard people describe this as being the Wild West. So, Steve, as you're the closest person to the Wild West living in Southern California, 
what's it like being our man on the ground there? <laughs> I would say that's a very apt description of what's going on. Uh, quite often, it works absolutely seamless, but then all of a sudden, something changes, and not everything down the road follows that change. So it's it's been quite interesting uh, being involved since the inception of this stuff and watching the progression go and finding out things that you need to look at. Yeah. So let's take a look at the VPID then. As I said, let's start in the SDI world. It's something that we all know, um, we all love, because now we've got a new, new, new transport layer to understand. And as we said, you know, we send the video, audio, and data all down the same coax cable. And we send this ST352 video payload ID in the hank to describe the video. And this is typically at line 10. And the VPID is a four byte payload in a binary form. Yeah. And we have that magic, what I call magic decoder ring since it is four bytes, and each one of the four bytes is binary, meaning this bit means this, these two bits mean this, this one bit means this, and you have to look at all four bytes to get all the data. Leader and Fabrics both have magic decoder rings that will look at that data and actually show you what the binary was, show you what the hex was, but more importantly, give you a actual readable translation of these parts. Yeah, so let's take a look at this in a little bit more detail. And Steve, I'm going to be honest, this always confuses me as well, because when you start off, you look at this and you go, well, hold on a minute. There's actually an awful lot of reserved areas here. And the information I've got will tell me, like under transport, is it progressive? Is it interlaced? I've got picture rates. I've got sample structure. But lots of the stuff that I've just seen on the previous slide are not there. Where are they and where do they come from? Well, there's a lot of data that gets, that uses those reserved pieces. But that data doesn't come out of the 352 payload ID. It actually comes out of each one of the individual video standards. And uh -huh. they use those reserve places to convey this data. So here you can see that in the user data word two, bits four and five are going to tell you if it is SDR, HLG, PQ, um, bits four and five of word data, user data word three is going to tell you, okay, is it 709? Is it, you know, UHD TV? What is it? What are the parameters of this? And some of these fields will change per the standard you're viewing. So it gets a little confusing because you have to look not only at the 352 standard, but you have to look at the video standard. And then the video standard will say, this is what the 352 payload ID will look like for this rate. Right. But as we showed earlier, fortunately, both the Linder and Fabrics products, products decode this and present it in a simplistic, easy to understand format. And, and here we have it. So on the left side, you can see here that we have a 1.485 gigabit, 1.5 gig, 1080i format, tells us transport structures interlaced, picture structures interlaced. And on the right-hand side, we've got R3G, so 1080p. And it's telling us that it is three gigabits. And the transport structure is progressive in the picture structure progressive. 
And it tells you the, you know, the picture rates and several other aspects of this, but uh, makes it very nice and very easy to read. Right. Here's one for you, Kevin. We've got a uh, piece here that is interlaced and progressive at the same time. How can that happen? So that's a good question, Cindy. I, th I think we've got to. Why, why don't we ask the audience and let's see what they think the reason for? So we've got a poll question for you. Do you see the poll? Yes, we do. So as you can see, is this because the signal we're looking at is progressive? It's interlaced? It's broken? Or is there some other reason why we're getting that interlaced and progressive um, report back? Please vote now. Almost everyone has voted. Just a few more people. Looking good. Thank you. It says here that I can't vote, so. Yes. <laughs> That's what mine says, too. <laughs> so, Cindy, why don't you show us the results? Okay, some people are saying it's progressive. 17% says progressive and interlaced. 10% uh, of you say it's broken, and 55% say that it is uh, something else. And I'll go along with that something else, because what it is, is it's actually PSF which is a picture progressive structure, but it's sent as if it was interlaced because of the low frame rate so that the picture won't flutter on the screen when you actually view it on a monitor. So it is taken as progressive, but we're going to send it in two swaps and update the screen at a interlaced rate, meaning faster, and but it's got the same data. So it is unique and it is legit. And the folks that said something else, you were absolutely correct. Well done. Right, so that's the SDI video piece of this. So in 2110, we know that we've got the video flow as our dash 20. We've got our audio flow as our dash 30. We've got our dash 40, which would be all the horizontal, all the uh, data that we would put in either the horizontal or the vertical interval. So each one of these is going to be an individual multicast that is going to be sent out in our IP transmission. So in the transmission, since we are sending an SDP file, the SDP file tells us everything about the video. There is no need for the 352 in a 2110 system. The SDP file takes the place of that. But in a lot of instances, we are still sending the VPID, and we can still send the VPID in the Dash 40 flow. But the VPID must match the data in the SDP file, or the other way around, the SDP file must match the VPID. They need to convey the same exact data. In a lot of cases, devices that make SDI back out of the IP flow can grab the VPID data since it's already formatted and they don't have to try to reformat a SDP file 
to provide the VPID data. So they'll just grab the Dash 40 flow VPID and insert that in the SDI as the output. So different devices are looking for stuff in different places. So like I said, we've got those three multicast flows. We've got the data flow, and that's where our VPID would be. When we send the data in the ancillary space and we need to look at it for troubleshooting, there's a tool out there called Wireshark. And Wireshark provides a digital capture of a IP flow and then allows us to look at that flow and look at the data that's in that flow. Um, there are dissectors that have been put together. And what a dissector is, is basically a translator that will take the parts of different flows, in this case, the Dash 40 flow, and turn it into human readable and let us see what's going on. So we can see here that our horizontal offset is actually 1,288 bytes, so 1,288 pixels over. What this means, and if you notice my drawing here, we almost always show the horizontal interval on the left side of the picture, when in reality, the horizontal interval is actually at the right-hand side. The horizontal interval happens at the end of a picture line. Packet zero, pixel zero, is on the left-hand side. So the horizontal interval starts on the right-hand side. So in this case, this is time code. And so the DID is 60, the SDID here is 60, and it's ancillary time code. So those are the types of things that the dissector helps us look at. And then the dissector will tell us here with the equal signs where it has broken things out in the human readable form that it is gonna come in on line nine if you were to put this back into an SDI flow and its horizontal offset should be 1,288 pixels later. That happens to be the first pixel of a line in 720p. So in 720p, the first horizontal pixel is 1,288 bytes in. In 1080, it's 1,928 bytes in if it's going to go in the horizontal interval. Otherwise, the horizontal offset is going to say zero to tell you that it goes into the vertical interval and happens over on the far left-hand side. So we can also send multiple packets in the Dash 40 flow. So in this case, um, it was sending the DID of 80 and an SDID of 05, which is a packet mark for deletion. And then the second packet was 4105, which was the AFD packet. You can, if you look at it, you can click on the packets and they will expand to be able to show you all of the data and the same data I was just talking about. So in this case, you can see it says that once, if you were to re put this data back into SDI, you would put it on line 12 and the 80 by 05 would be an offset of zero, meaning it's the first vertical interval packet. And the 4105, which is the AFD bar, is the second packet. So it's got an offset of 15 when you include all of the headers and tails on the, on the packets. That's going to be the packet right after what we put in on line 12. 
So it tells you it's got a data count. Both of them have a data count of eight bytes. And these are the types of things that you would want to be able to look at to make sure the data in your IP flow is going to be in the correct locations. Here is a offset of 2,000. Uh, because in the horizontal interval, we have the audio, we can put data in front of the audio or we can put data behind the audio. So in this case, the uh, ADF, which is the ancillary data flag here, these three bytes, which is my 000, 3FF, 3FF, and then I've got 6060, which is my ancillary time code. In this case, they're putting the time code after the audio at sample 2000. Uh, otherwise, it would be, as we viewed back here, it would be at 1928 on 1080. So, we can then look at this data that is set up and view it in SDI and make sure that everything has come up as far as the sequence and the payload identifier is on line nine, the horizontal offset of 1928, which means it's the first packet because the standard says doesn't give you the line that it should be on, but tells you that it should be in the horizontal and should be the very first packet in the horizontal interval. But all it gives you is the 85, 46, 20, and a one, which you would need to break out into binary and then take that against several different standards or pull up the ancillary data display in either the leader uh, fabrics waveform monitors and be able to view it through the magic decoder ring here and be able to see actually what's going on. So you can see those hex values at the top of each byte. So the SDP itself protocol describes the communication parameters in this case, for 2110. Believe it or not, SDP is not only used for video. SDP is actually something that's been in existence in the IP world for some time. We repurposed it for video for our application. So it provides the information for the senders and receivers. The SDP itself does not deliver the media, but it gives the receiver, in this case, the data for connection of the media. It tells the data, where will the dash 20 flow be? What is the multicast address of that dash 20 flow? What is the multicast address of the dash 30 flow? What is the multicast address of the dash 40 flow? And what is the picture rate? Is it... SDR, is it PQ, is it HLG, is it uh, you know, RGB, YCVCR, 10-bit, 12-bit? All of that data is in that SDP file. It is a text file for setting up the receivers, but we're getting into an age of 2110 now where the SDP file is also intended to be used for setting up transmitters. So if you have a sender, a playout server, and you want that playout server to be interlaced, or you want that playout server to be progressive, uh, you can use the SDP file to control those servers. We're not really heavily doing that yet, but hold on, it's coming. As we said, Steve, one of the critical things here is that lots of these devices that create the STPs do it automatically. Yes. And if they're wrong, that's when the fun starts. And obviously, you're setting up a device, you're telling it the frame rate, its resolution, whether it's interlaced or progressive, you're telling it its transport stream, and the receiving device 
sets itself up to expect to receive that. And if it doesn't receive it, some devices may have a go and sort of the picture will flash and bang and look generally uncomfortable, but some will just completely blank you. That's absolutely correct. And you need to know where to go to look to see what's been sent. So as you can see here in the middle here, it is telling me the sample, you know, it's YCDCR422. It is 1920 by 1080. It is 10 bits. The frame rate is 60,000 divided by 1001, i.e. 59.94. The color imagery is 709. It is SDR. And if you don't see interlaced in the rest of this piece here, it is progressive. So you can put the note in and say progressive, but if you leave out interlaced or progressive, it is progressive by default. So to be interlaced, it has to say interlaced in the SDP file. But if you notice up here, it is telling us the multicast we're going to connect to. It's going to tell us the uh, <clears throat> packet type that we've described, 96, 97, 100, whatever it happens to be, because the packet type is an user-definable field from 96 to 127. We normally will say 96 is video, 97 is audio, and 100 is ancillary data, but that's just been kind of what the industry has started with. It does not have to be that. So if someone else has come in and redefined video is 112, it's legal. Uh, and a lot of equipment probably will not work just because everybody's gotten so used to what the industry has done by default. Um, this is going to be a definite eye chart, especially on the left-hand side, but this is a little chart. So if you download the presentation after we're done here, you can look. This will describe all of the fields inside of an SDP. And the top part, I've kind of spaced them apart here. So the top part is the header. It tells us who the sender is, the session name. Uh, which is quite often the name of the sender. And then down here, this part where it says group, dupe, one and two, you may see group, primary, secondary. It could say dupe, red, blue. Uh, it could say dupe, one, two. Those are going to define the two flows that are going to go down what we typically call our red network and our blue network. It's not really primary, secondary, because you don't just lie on one and don't use the other. The packet picker is picking between these two streams constantly. So, but it tells you all of that data here. And at the bottom, this mid colon one is telling us this is my first flow. Mid colon two is my second defined flow. So you might see some of my captures in here, say primary, secondary. I've started putting in my own red and blue and it works absolutely fine. So here is that same sampling rate. And the other thing we need to make sure is that both of these streams, they have to have different IP addresses, but they have to be the exact same data and they have to be perfectly in time with each other. Otherwise, you're going to get really strange results on the picture because, like I said, the packet picker is just looking at the first packet that showed up. That's the packet that's going to go out. So if the blue network showed up first, that's the packet that's going to go out. If the red network packet showed up first, that's the packet that's going to go out the door. <clears throat> so as we said, we use NMOS to control these SDP files and control what goes on. So we've got a registration service, an RDS, that connects to nodes, the end devices. The registration device 
holds the SDP file that was generated by the node. And there is a courier service that makes all this available to the end devices that are going to control this, the customer's control system. So the SDP has all of that data in it. So if we kind of look at a really big picture, then I'll break some of these pieces down real fast for us. Here on the top right-hand corner here is the user control system, these two boxes. It's got the interfaces to either computer terminals, uh, you know, router panels or switchers, things like that, that are going to communicate with the interface server. The interface server is going to communicate with the admin server, which is going to talk to the various pieces underneath of it. And then we have the registry server over here, We've got senders, receivers, the network. So if we kind of look at how this is structured, so in NMOS, a node is the host for one or more devices. So in this case, I've got a node here. Inside of this node is this device. Inside of that device, maybe senders, maybe receivers. So I've got two nodes, I've got two devices and multiple senders, multiple receivers that belong to one or the other node here. So a device represents logical block or functionality and the devices are used to represent logical things. The logical things are, in this case, senders and receivers. As you saw with the NMOS uh, chart, when we looked at all the different IS standards, there is a ton of them. So there could be multiple different things here. So what's going to happen here is the RDS uh, executes a announce. It says, hey, on the registration server. The nodes then execute a query to try to find that registration server. Once the registration server is found, the node does a post, sends what it is. So this sender is gonna say, hey, this is who I am, this is my IP address, these are my frame rates that I'm putting out, blah, blah, blah. And it's gonna loop through all of its senders. It's going to do the same thing for all of the receivers. It's going to say, hey, I'm a video receiver, audio receiver, ants receiver, da 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 and loop through all of those and say what it is. So kind of looking at this in a little simpler way here is I've got two nodes down here. One is a sender, one is a receiver. Those nodes search out, find the registration service, which is the RDS, and it is going to post its data, the SDP file, to the registration service. The registration service then will write that post into its registry, into its database. It will make that data available in the query service. And the query service is what the external devices then will look at to find out about these nodes and when it wants to turn around and send data to them. So if you hook up the vendor control equipment here, that interface server, the NMOS uh, admin server, it's going to connect to the query server and get the data from the query server of everything that has been registered in the system. And it's gonna build a table. That table can be all that's needed really to set up a router panel. It's gonna give you all the source data, it's gonna give you all the destination data. So then all we need to do is uh, deal with that. So the admin server here reads what's in there, Based on that data, it can completely fill everything that's needed for this router panel, and you can do a source destination take, 
And the admin server then is going to send the SDK file to that receiver in this case that was chosen here off of the query. And so it's going to tell that receiver. And then the receiver in a conventional system will send an IGMP join to the network and join that flow. Now, there are a few systems out there that don't use IGMP, which is a management uh, for multicast networks to join flows. Some of them want to control that. So there'll be a second arrow coming over here, which I don't have on the screen, that will go this way, and it will talk to the switch and set the switch up at the same time it's setting up the receiver. And it'll do both of those at the same time. So, Steve, the great thing I understand with this, it's dynamic. So as devices are plugged in, they announce themselves, they're picked up by the registration server, they're registered, their capabilities are logged, so that it's like dyna dynamically updating a host table. Yes, sir. And if things get removed, so say suddenly, you know, you're working in a studio and instead of needing 12 cameras, you only need three, you unplug the others and the system dynamically adjusts. Yes, it does. So the query table will be updated. But that also brings us to a possible issue. Yeah, so, so as you said, we, we've got this lovely studio. It's all set up. And they suddenly decide, actually, we need to bring in another camera because we want a nice shot of the audience. And um, we go to the stock room, bring it out, plug it in, pop it on the network, get it all registered, only to find out it's basically was used on another job in another format. Absolutely correct. So this is something very similar to this. Um, I've got a sender. It is putting out... 1080p, but all of a sudden, it, we find out because of, like you said, the last use of that, either that server, that camera was set up for 1080p, but for what I'm doing right now, I need 1080i. So I need to switch this from 1080p to 1080i. So the original Registration STP file sent up to the registry was a 1080p registration. Anybody that I had connected to this sender is going to connect to a 1080p source. So they're going to look at the query service and take that data. I turn around and switch that sender to 1080i and the sender node changes its format. And I think we've got another question here to ask the audience, Cindy. All right, question coming up. And thank you for putting your questions in the chat. So if you've got other questions for Kevin and Steve, Bring them on. We're going to have a QA at the end. And yeah, do you see the poll right now? Looks like you do. Yes. So, so will the receiver that was already connected to this see the change? And will the receiver get the correct information from who? Option one, the STP file. Option two, your VPID. Three, both of them, or neither one. It's time to vote. Yeah, we've got about half of the folks voting, and oh, yep, yeah, getting getting toward full participation. Thank you, everybody, for voting. Hey, Sandy. How do we do here? Ah. So most people think the 
VPID is going to give the correct data to the receiver. Some 15% think the, the VPID, 33% say it's going to be just completely, as Kevin said, the Wild Wild West basically broke, and neither one's going to have the right stuff. <laughs> so that's somebody's got to manually go and change it. Yes. So let's take a peek at typically what happens in this case. So the sender is going to send that new SDP file to the registry service. The registration service is going to send it into the registry database. It's going to make that available to the query service. And it's going to sit there in the courier because the courier is a device that gets pulled from external devices. It does not forward data out. So all of the receivers that connected to this device when it was 1080p are still going to be expecting 1080p data because their first SDP file, when they connected, it was 1080p. The change has taken place. Everybody would need to do a new take, source destination take, in order to get the new SDP file. The chances are, and this is where things get kind of weird, is that the dash 40 flow, since the dash 40 flow goes and the IP addresses haven't changed, most likely all of the receivers dash 40 flow with the VPID data in there would most likely be correct and have the correct data sitting in them. So very unique things can happen with all of this. And this is one of the gotchas that I was kind of talking about is that the systems that I've dealt with, I'm not saying they're all this way, but all the systems I've dealt with is this exact situation. I've run into it many times, especially guys uh, setting up a truck. He sets up the truck, puts all his cameras out. The last use of the cameras was a 1080p 2398 show. This, and so all the cameras come up, he connects, and he goes, oh, yeah, this is a 1080 P5994 show and resets all the cameras and all of the devices fall on their face. And he has to go retake every single receiver he's got set up in order to get the truck set. I've seen this multiple times. And it is, it is a little bit of a pain in the neck that I personally think the industry needs to address that we need to maintain another database that will forward this data. So here's what would happen right here. Here is the actual data coming in. The waveform monitor was smart enough to be able to figure out that, hey, it got switched to interlaced. The SDP file is on the left. The dash 40 flow is on the right, so we can actually show you the equivalent out of both of them. The SDP file is still saying, hey, this is a progressive transport. The dash 40 flow, since it was part of the sender, changed when you changed the sender, and it went to interlaced. If this was going to a gateway product that was going to grab the dash 40 flow and put it out the door, every device down the stream would work just fine. But if it was a gateway product that grabbed the SDP file and said, I'm going to use the SDP file because that's part of what 2110 is all about and use that, it's going to put out a SDP file on SDI that says it's progressive. And if you look at the top format up there, it is interlaced. And it can definitely cause issues 
in what's going on. Um, we're running a little long here, and if anybody does have questions in more detail about this, you definitely can reach out to myself or Kevin about this stuff. But you can see here where the format is in red at the top saying, hey, the format is wrong. You may get a picture, you may not, just depending on how smart the receiving device is and how much it turns around and gets, you know, does it just 100% rely on the SDP file to tell me what to do? Or is there some smarts in it like most waveform monitors have that say, hey, I'm going to look at this data, but I'm also going to be smart and try to figure out to give you a picture. So now that you can go back and troubleshoot and that red indicator of the format at the top of the picture is telling you that the VPID and the picture data do not agree with each other somewhere. And this is where you can get in and look at it. So one of the beautiful things, like we've always said, is it's really sweet to be able to turn around and look at these things side by side. So on the left-hand side, I've put the waveform monitor into a multi-mode where I can look at my SDI flow and my IP flow simultaneously. And on the left-hand side, I've got my SDI coming in and it is telling me my format is wrong. It is telling me it is progressive here. And on the right is my IP flow where the SDD file is saying it is progressive, but the dash 40 flow is telling me, no, well, I think it's replaced. And you get that difference between the two and the output here, both of them, it's telling me here it's 1080i and over here it's telling me 1080i, which is telling me that, hey, there's something wrong with this SDP file. And we do have the ability to go in and look at that same exact data to be able to look at the SDP files being sent down and actually look at it. So you can pick one of the four video inputs, the one that you're dealing with, and down on the bottom will give you the breakout of the SDP file. And here it is, it's coming up and it is got the interlace tag at the end right here. It's telling me, yes, it is interlaced. And it is telling me this is 30 by 30,000 by 1,001, i.e. 2997. And that should be interlaced. So, so Steve, the other great thing we can do on the leader waveform monitors is that we can capture that to a USB memory stick and take it away and look at it. Yes. Or send it to vendor X and say, this is what you're sending me. This is incorrect please fix. So if you put a USB stick in, a copy SDP file comes up and you can take this SDP file and send it right to the USB stick. So with this, I just want to do a quick recap and then we'll look at a couple of the questions. The questions we don't get to, we will answer 100% of all questions, Not maybe not 100% online, but we'll get to most of them online, is just remember that IP is just another I.O. interface. It's just how we look at it that's different. You have to have the proper tool sets to be able to look at it. You need the tools to be able to show the errors so you can relate them back to SDI and what we've learned for the last 30-odd years. So it also helps immensely to be able to see things side by side, looking at captions. One of the easiest ways to see captions are screwed up is view them on screen. You can view your SDI going into your gateway. You can view the IP output of your gateway and just physically look at them. It's super easy for your operators. They don't need to know anything about IP. So you need to be able to view the SDB file being delivered and be able to translate that into English so that you can look at it and be able to configure 
the screen so that you can view what you need to view for the job that you're currently doing. So that's correct. So Cindy, I've, I've been watching the traffic here. There's been some questions popping up and down. So let's bite the bullet. Let's go into them. All right. Some questions. And if your question doesn't get answered, don't worry. We will circle back with you afterwards. So some of the questions we'll take offline. Here is a question. Not all the sources are encapsulating ST352, especially for interlace. Um, what is the standard saying about VPID? Is it mandatory? In the 2110 system, it is not mandatory at all. Basically, 2110 says nothing about it. It is part of the ancillary data. They've made a path that you can send ancillary data. So it is legal to send a VPID. It's just 2110 is built around SDP files, not the VPID. But like I said, gateways and other devices that treat this as SDI and convert it back to SDI may need that VPID data. Thank you, Steve. Now, which SMPTE standards define the ST352 RSVD areas? I'm going to have to, we're going to have to get one offline. I'm going to have yeah, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. Here's another question that came up too. Are most current installations using IGMP or SDN for multicast routing? IGMP. Okay. Okay, good. And is the only option to get an update on an SDP file to pull for changes? That's all I have seen. I'm not saying 100% of every system works that way, but that is basically how NMOS works. And that is what I have seen in every system I've been involved with. Got it. You were talking about um, taking a file onto a thumb drive. What product was that where you could get that SDP file and put it on a thumb drive? So that's both of the leader true hybrid IP and SDI waveform monitors and rasterized and so the 5600 which is the waveform monitor and the 7600 which is the rasterizer and both of those two products have exactly the same features and functionality they have exactly the same video audio control io which i know in the past people have been frustrated that the waveform monitor does more features than the rasterizer because of its form factor but they're both identically the same. So, you know, whichever product best fits your operational and production requirements, you get all of these features. Nice. And I think that's all the questions right There's now. I know more. you have to circle thinking, back. Go ahead. A, there was a question from Paolo. Um, not all the sources are encapsulated in ST. Um, 352, especially for interlaced formats. What standard is saying about VPID? Is it mandatory? I think we got that one. Did we get that one? Yeah. Yeah, so a VPID is not even mentioned that I remember anywhere in the standards. Uh, the SDD file is what is used to replace the VPID. And uh, since the VPID is a ANTS data flow, you can send it in the Dash 40 flow. And people are using it more and more because uh, some people are just their tire delivery because they came out of the SDI world are used to a VPID and they don't work unless they get a VPID. So even though it's IT. Gotcha. And a there's, an interesting one just, there's an interesting okay. one just popped in um, saying, can the Libda hybrid waveform monitors do a comparison of the SDP and VPID and provide an alarm? Um, should they be different? That would be outstanding. We can compare them. Uh, you know, right, right here is a comparison of the two. Alarm? No, we do not do that at this time. I think personally that would be an outstanding feature. Uh, I will bring it up to engineering 
but uh, at the moment, we just allow you to see them side by side. SDP on the left and the Dash 40 uh, 352 payload on the right. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It would be really sweet to have something say, ink, 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 that it's not the same. Excellent. Wonderful. We'll have the replay available for everyone, and I'll pass back over to Kevin and Steve. So, as I said, thank you, everybody, for, for joining us today. Um, thank you to all those people we met at IBC and uh, made suggestions about sessions that we should do. Um, this was one that, that came out of several conversations at the show. Um, if there are any other subjects that you're thinking, I'm sure those two guys must know something about that or <laughs> put together a show on it, drop us a line. There's no guarantee we'll do it, but if we're it interests us, we're sure it's going to be interesting out there. What the needs are out in the world. Yeah. So as I said, as Cindy said, the replay will be posted very shortly um, on both the Leader Europe and uh, Leader Instruments YouTube channels. Um, some of our previous, well, all of our previous shows are up there. So if your interest is in PTP, it's in HDR, live production, there's a wealth of information on those sites. Go and have a look. Um, if the subject you're looking for is not there, drop us a line and Steve and I will uh, put together a show for you. Everybody, have a great rest of your day, your evening, and we hope to see you in another presentation. Yep. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks a lot. For more about Leader Electronics, visit leader.co.jp en or look for Leader Electronics on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.